Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Every Block Rising episode brought to you by Florida Rising, where we build independent political power that centers historically marginalized communities so everyday Floridians shape the future. My name is Marjorie Bostrick Phoenix, and I'm a member of Florida Rising and your host for today's episode. I would like to introduce you to our guest today, Diana Burton. Welcome to Every Block Rising, Diana. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm really excited to be having this conversation with you. I intentionally did not give your full introduction because I wanted you to have an opportunity to sort of share your story with the audience. So why don't you tell us about yourself, Diana, and what is it that concerns you about your block the most right now. But let's get a little background about who you are and how you started into this work. Hi, my name is Deanna Burton. I'm born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm currently a student at Florida State University. I like to tell people that I've been involved since Obama's presidential election, even though I was five years old. My mom was a volunteer, and one of my like earliest memories is really running through the halls, passing out buttons and flyers, and I didn't really understand the importance because, like, when I think of a president, you know, that's that's my first president in my head. Growing up, he was my president through middle school, elementary school, so you know, someone who created history, made history, was my first example of the president of the United States. From getting involved with the presidential election, even just my mom letting me tag along, I guess she saw how much I loved it. So I joined clubs like 4-H and Girl Scouts. And while those typically aren't political clubs, they have big teams, they have civic engagement badges, they have things you can do in that realm. And I was completing a civic engagement badge for city council or for Girl Scouts. And I had to meet somebody who's a politician. So I went to city council and I was able to connect with some of the local members. And I ended up loving it. I started paging on the local level. Then I went to Tallahassee and became a page for the House Representatives, for the Florida Senate, then just found my niche, found, you know, this is what I want to be. I think we all want to better the community. We all want to change the world and be heroes, for lack of a better term. But there's so many different ways to do that. My friend is currently in med school, and she is quite literally saving the world. Look at the climate we're in. That will not be me. That's not my my passion. However, policy and getting youth involved and creating change and actually being a part of organizing, I found from a very young age that that's what matters to me. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. You know, it's so funny you say that that was like your first experience of being engaged in any sort of political process because the Obama candidacy was for me as well. And I was an adult. So, (laughs) But I remember I brought my daughter 
along with me as well when we went canvassing for that campaign. So I I hope that that experience and also taking her to like vote with me every time I go to vote, I -hmm. hope that that will have a lasting impression on her as well as it did for you. So that's really wonderful. So I want to go back real quick. You mentioned that you were a page. So some people may not know what that is. Can you share a little bit about what a page does, what that is? Yeah. So even through being a page in the capital, Tallahassee at Jacksonville, the concept was kind of the same. A page is a volunteer, if you will, for for a branch of government, whether or the usually the legislative branch. So whether it was the House Representatives, the Senate or City Council, we were usually given like name tags or something. And we can sit on the Senate floor, the House floor, the just the chamber floor, and we, we will pass the paper. So if public comments are happening and the presenter has pamphlets or something, they'll give them to us and for the local branch, we pass them to all the city council members. Usually there aren't pamphlets or anything for the city or house floor. If they want a coffee, we'll go get them a coffee. But the cool part is, you know, we'll, you know, to get that coffee, we get to go into the break rooms, go behind the scenes, and we get to meet all of the assistants for all of the assistants for the politicians, all any branch, we get to meet them directly. So it's a great networking opportunity. We'll get tours of whatever government building we're in, city hall, the Capitol, whichever. During the PAGE program on the Capitol level, we'll have like a full day of events. So we'll get tours. We get to see the college campuses in Tallahassee, leading to me going to Florida State. They have a cafeteria with really good chicken tenders in the capital. I would have never known if it wasn't for that program. We get to go to museums. We have our own security guards, and we're usually escorted around the back rooms, and we deliver mail, and we get to meet different people. So it's a great networking opportunity. Think for the capital, we you can get up to like 100 community service hours if you page in Tallahassee. And then the Senate program also has a messenger program for like slightly older kids because I was doing it in like middle school, you know, high school, you can still get involved where they'll pay you to do it. They'll pay you a stipend to do it. I think it's like $100, $120. And it's a week-long program during legislative session in Tallahassee versus it being offered all year long for local commission or local city council. Well, that is amazing. I didn't know about that. And I think that is a great opportunity, a learning opportunity for young folks so that they can get a better understanding of how the legislative branch works because you're in it, you get to be behind the scenes and see the whole operation. And I think that gives you a certain, you care about it once you're, right. you get to experience it, right? So you really care about what happens from this point going on. So I would assume that these experiences brought you to where you are today. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about what came out of all of these experiences from canvassing with your mom for Obama and being a page in the legislative house, what's happening now? I like to tell people that all of those experiences created a political junkie by the age of 14. But on a serious note, it created this sort of like political awareness in me that from a, a very long time, that's all I saw was politics. Even if it was something as my mom driving down the street and complaining about this pothole that has been here forever. I'm like, oh, well, you know, you could call this person and that'll fix it for you. So just that hyper-awareness led to me being able to 
pinpoint certain issues in my community, outside of my community, in my city, throughout the state that are very blatant, very aware. And I'm sitting here like if I'm in middle school, if I'm in high school and I see this issue, I know for a fact that our politicians see this issue. So why it's not being tackled? My mom wasn't a big news person because the news has a way of being um very depressing, misleading, whatever you want to call it. But I still saw these issues. I still knew these issues are being talked about just in my circles, social media, these issues, pick any issue that you want. It, nothing was being done. The politicians seemed very stagnant versus while I was a page, whether it was city council or Tallahassee, there was always something going on. People were moving and bustling and people were very busy. And sometimes they couldn't even say hi to you because they're running past you to get to the next meeting. So if there's all of this activity happening, why is that not translating to the actual action being implemented in my community to actual action happening to the point where I can see it? Why is nothing happening outside of these office buildings? Where's the translation? So I started my own organization. It kind of started as as a series of workshops in, I want to say, seventh grade. I started a financial literacy workshop with the Dolores Barweaver Policy Center, who kind of helped me start it up and get a little bit involved in seventh grade. I can't tell you how I was. I want to say 13, but I'm not sure. I might not have been 13. Because I realized, you know, my mom was one of those people who doesn't like to take the normal route of things. I took an economics class in seventh grade online because my school didn't offer it. My mom wanted me to be financially aware because every time we go to the store, uh, you know, I would ask, it was like, why does this tag say this much? But by the time we get to pay, it's this much. She's like, oh, that's tax. What's tax? Instead of answering the question, she signed me up for a class. So here we are. Um, So that led to me learning about supply, demand, just different things that, you know, my peers weren't really cognizant of. So let me start this workshop. Let me create this space where you can learn. I was also a 4-H member throughout my entire childhood, basically. So they had a wonderful financial literacy curriculum that they were starting up around the time. So I said, you know, let's get my community involved. Let's teach some of my friends, some of some people that look like me. So I think we ended up teaching around like 60 kids. We broke it off from like, like elementary, middle and high. So, you know, high school, you're probably focusing more on scholarships and college applications. So let's teach you about grants. Middle school, you know, let's teach you about budgeting. Elementary school, let's just teach you good saving habits. And broke it down like that and probably taught about 20 kids per group, elementary, middle and high. And then that was an amazing workshop. And I could I believe I had put together a workshop with the help of my friends. We were all in like seventh grade doing this. And of course, had some adults involved to handle the logistics. But we picked the color of the flyer. We picked when they had lunch. We picked the venue. So that was my first event. event. And I had been part of a lot of events, just being a 4 h or a Girl Scout and going to random seminars with my mom. So being a part of those organizings, you kind of see 
the pros, the cons, the ifs, ands, the buts. And I remember going to this event that was like three hours and it had no food. So I learned the importance of when you have an event over two hours, you need food. You need food. You're going, you do. You're going to lose people. Me being people, you will lose me if you do not have food at that event. I mean, I understand COVID and everything. So I'll eat before now. But beforehand, when my mom said, go, or you got to go, you need food for children That's like right. me. But that event led to me starting my own org and realizing that I was capable. My organization was SPEAR, stands for Showing Political Engagement Responsibility. And we kind of changed the slogan a lot. It started off as just blatant or plain youth engagement. Then it was youth engagement and youth voter turnout. And then it was really just focusing on Jacksonville youth. And then it was just everything politics because we would just, if there's a topic you cared about, we'd make an event about it. And really the overall theme is if, you know, you can create change before you're able to vote. I couldn't vote at 13. I couldn't vote at 15. I couldn't vote at 16. I could be pre-registered. But like, it was, I actually just voted for the first time, like this week in the early voting because I, just my age, I always, I wasn't able to. Yeah, I have my, I voted sticker in my phone case because I was so excited. But just really the theme is if you care about it, do something about it. You can make it happen regardless of if you can't vote. You have a voice and we'll teach you how to use that voice and amplify those voices. And Spear went on to grow throughout, let's see, I think like seven countries and 11 states. And we were doing different events in different places, but becoming a college student, I had to, you know, reel it back in. I had to realize that, you know, I got to work. I got to work on my education and I got to get a job and I have to, I was working this whole time, but it's just a different kind of structure, different kind of exhaustion when you're on your own. So I really wanted to keep it going and we have events every now and then, but not as much as we did previously. And a lot of Zoom seminars because that's the climate that we're in. So yeah, that's what that is amazing. You just got it. right into action. You see that <laughs> things need to be done and you're like, let's go get it done. That's amazing. And, you know, as we look at, at the youth today, right, we know that, you know, there are a lot of them out there that are just like you. They're being very proactive and getting mm-hmm. engaged. And then there are some that <clears throat> they're not watching the news. They're not really paying attention because they are seeing stuff coming out of the media that can be discouraging, that's negative, that's just so depressing. And they've sort of become apathetic to all, all of this going on. But there are, I always say there's different ways that people can be civically engaged. I love the story that you told on the TEDx about the changing of your high school's name, right? And you talked about the power of the voice of the students. And it really made me think about the power of the students today in facing a lot of this, what I would call this hijacking of American history, especially mm-hmm. for our black and brown students. You know, this is their history that's being hijacked and it's it's so important for them. And being a voice in 
hey, this is important to me and I want to be a part of this decision. So what would you say to students today as they're seeing some of these things? And, they, you know, not just in high school, but even in college, right? To be able to use their voice to bring about some change in and how things are being decided for that. I'd start with going back to the TED Talk because you used that example. The name change was a was a huge thing. It, it got blown up out of nowhere. But I I was going to the meetings in the beginning, just you know, being I was student class student body senior class president. Uh, so I felt like it was my due diligence to go and just hear out. And I thought it'd be some PTA members. So upon seeing that it was alumni who in this all this. The meetings are held in the school, so who are yelling race, racial slurs and carrying Confederate flags in the same halls that me and my, my peers that I have to walk through every day. It just, it kind of opens up something in you because like, you know, I, I was working, I was at early college, which is kind of like dual aerobic. So I was like, I had a full load of college classes. I was doing almost full time of working. So becoming there, the meetings usually stretched out to like 11. It was a huge, it just, it just took so much out of me already. And then seeing that was like, okay, now, you, you know, there was a drought and now it's like a fire. Now I'm angry and what can we do about it? And quite literally, and I couldn't say all this in the TED Talk because we had a time loop, but I had to drag my friends there. I had to like, you know, hey, we're going to this. There's no room for confusion. I had friends from other schools starting off today because it's like, hey, look at these other schools show out. Like now let's get the students from the school speaking about it. Let's, you heard the community. Now let's get the school. And it, that's kind of backwards. And it had to work that way because there was so much happening during that time of the year. It was, it was my senior year. So, you know, kids are worried about, are they going to have prom? Are they going to have grad bash? Are we going to be able to have an actual graduation? Because we weren't getting answers to that. Will we, a lot of students in the middle or when COVID happened, were in classes that they needed to graduate. So some kids are not even worried about the graduation. Will they receive their diploma? And we had student meetings. So all of these issues are put on my radar. And now it's March, April, and you're asking us about the name change and we don't even know if we're graduating, if we're getting a problem, if we're being told we, even if we graduate, we can't decorate the top of our hats because it doesn't fit you. You're not letting us participate in festivities where we see these other high schools like having the time of their lives, high schools that are down the street having the time of their lives. So Where's our senior festivities? Where's our senior year? What can we, like, can we enjoy our year without you coming to our school and protesting? And right before that issue blew up, there was You Matter Month. Duval County Public School Public Schools had declared February as You Matter Month. And the context that we, we were just coming out of, you know, George Floyd and the summer of 2020. So it was eerily, the wording eerily similar to All Lives Matter. But, you know, my school, then Robert E. Lee High School, now Riverside High School, was a predominantly Black school. And the protest started at Sandalwood because teachers just... And because I'm not anti-teachers, I would never be. So, you know, I always try to be very 
direct or very aware of my wording, but teachers trying to follow the curriculum that the school board sent them started you know, teaching things about mental health and about why you matter as a student, why all of you matter, but simultaneously putting Black history on the Black back burner. So whether you meant to or not, now you're disregarding the only month, the shortest month that we have. So, you know, now you got Sandalwood protesting. So I left my job. I hopped in my Mini Cooper, drove to my school, told the principal that, you know, these kids are going to walk out. And Lee is one of the schools where it's like, if you walk out, detention, if you, you're punishing us. But the principal luckily was what it, was my principal for middle school. So we've always been like, we have like a fist bump. Like we've always been pretty cool. So I was saying, look, you may not be on the social media channels, but students are walking out and they're probably going to plan a walkout. Let them walk. I will walk with them. Then we had kids from dual enrollment who usually aren't on campus or kids who are being online come to the school and like walk around the track with us to show that, you know, you matter month is great. Mental health matters. There is a mental health month. And it was because of increased suicide rates and understanding why the school board did it, but also needing them to understand why Black History Month needs to be the priority, needs to be shown, needs to be taught, and that it can't be put on the back burner. And that frustration, that anger, kind of carried over to the name change, but they didn't make a statement about You Matter Month till like till the month was over, regardless of how much we protested. So now you're asking kids about the name change and it's like, you know, it's the end of the year. I'm thinking of summer. I'm thinking of, they haven't even told us about senior packages. Thinking about, can I afford a yearbook? I'm thinking about anything but this school, but this institution. I'm thinking about my future kids are waiting for college acceptance letters because a lot of major universities delayed. Some people are still trying to test. Seniors and juniors, upperclassmen, like that was not their priority, but they did get on board in the end. But not even the end, they got on board just in the beginning. It was not there. So to my peers, I would say it is absolutely okay if what's going on in Afghanistan, if what's going on down the street, if what's going on in the world is not your direct priority because I understand that we are now entering adulthood in very trying times. COVID, monkeypox, you know, kind of a recession coming in. Like it's not a good time to be 18, 19, 24, trying to figure out taxes, trying to figure out your first apartment, trying to figure out college. It's it's not a good time for us. So you can care without waking up and choosing to donate and make a statement every single day. I would say prioritize yourself because I got lost in the name change. I was running around from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. I was also the only student member on the SAC council. So I was there speaking to angry parents, now angry alumni. Now I'm also the senior class president. So I was speaking to angry students. And by the time it was time to graduate, um, the the superintendent had made a statement requesting the name change because the votes had spoken. I was so tired. I didn't even know till like it was time to get up there. I had to change my speech. I was like, oh, okay, we won. Okay, let me tell them. Like I was always out of breath. I was running around and gas was not cheap. I had gotten to, into a car accident in February. So I started carpooling with people. 
I stopped playing tennis during my senior year in my prime time because I was so exhausted. And that burnout should not be happening to an 18-year-old. No, that, not that, that's too young. Right. That burnout, like, you know, like the girl who's accomplishing everything that that girl on that Obama campaign was dreaming of. Yeah, I should not be this tired. So prioritizing your mental health because you, the simple phrases of you cannot pour from an empty cup are so true. You just can't. And sure, you can be there. You can give somebody a hug and you can always speak on something, but it won't be the same until you're taking care of yourself. So learning how to say no, learning how to get involved, but learning how to, you know, "Mm, I have homework. Mm, I need to sleep. My mama said I got to be back by 930 and it's 845. Like learning those, those, those small boundaries. And once you got yourself on lock, like once you have yourself and you're grounded in yourself, get involved, do the thing because you're going to be met with a lot of adversity. You're going to be met with a lot of aggression and a lot of people who you may agree to disagree, but they want to go back and forth with you. You'll be met with a lot of that. And it can get very emotional because why are you 75 years old and screaming at me and I'm 18, 17? Why are you so passionate about this? So mental health, taking that into consideration. But then when it's time to get involved, bring a friend. You don't have to do it by yourself. Even if they're not directly interested because my friends were interested, but because we are friends and they saw how important it was to me, they showed up. And luckily, you know, we didn't go to the, we, not luckily, but our meetings weren't boring. We went up there and a man literally said the N-word and started screaming and showed us his Confederate flag shirt. So now my friends are like, oh, he want to be funny. So now we got to bring more friends. And now we have to fill out the stands. And, you know, part of it is fighting that fire with fire, but fire in a cognizant way of the fact that we're still children. We had to take it a very tactful route. We had to let our parents know where we were. Our parents had to come with us sometimes. So. So the SPHERE organization that you started actually will help young people understand like how to, to become more civically engaged in that way, correct? So they Absolutely. can- Absolutely. Okay. And it's not just SPHERE. Well, people are more than welcome to join SPHERE, but most of us are college students now, college students across the nation. So okay. we fit into like our schedules and a lot of us aren't able to be like all the crowd. So we create, we partner with a lot of orgs and we'll help send students there because of our network. But like you do with Florida Rising because you work. Florida, you, you know, yeah. better join Florida Rising. You know, like, <laughs> they're doing everything they need to do. And right? even, even like things that you would never think of, like we, we know it's an election, maybe not a presidential election year, but we know it's an election year. So candidates are always willing to yeah. to have volunteers or, or take some free labor. They're always willing. So getting involved on an election, getting involved, maybe not be, you know, being a student liaison, bringing some of your friends to campus. You could be a poll worker. You could be the person waving signs. That's a way of directly changing things, showing up to school board meetings, showing up to city council meetings. You don't have to be a part of something you in your own right. As long as you're able, not even able to walk, as long as you got transportation to get there and right to, to leave when it's time to go, you can be involved. And I say bring a friend because sometimes it can't get boring. Maybe you showed up there to talk about the the mileage bill. 
talking about a certain bill, but you'll realize they they go talk about they got thirty six bills on the docket. They go talk about all thirty six, and you came from one. So you know you you might learn something new. You might want to take a pamphlet, and then guess what? When they leave those buildings, when they leave the the meetings, they gotta come out the building. So you can network with them. School board won't leave until like everybody's on that roof, but you can wait by that door for them. They'll walk out the same door you did. City council may go a different way, but mm-hmm. being able to to connect with the people who have a direct impact on you speaks volumes. And Jacksonville specifically, who holds a lot of events, we have the longest table that usually happens around Thanksgiving, where it's usually adults, but you get to network with people from across the city. Um, and usually when you're a student or a minor or just, you know, a child in adult spaces, people pay attention, you know, and you're talking about things that matter to you. People will remember you. And, you know, thinking of like names and things, introduce yourself proudly and firmly. People will remember that bold boy, that bold girl, that bold student who introduced themselves to that firm handshake and who was confident. And who knows, you might see them at the next commission meeting. That's wonderful. Listen, you are dropping some gems here for everyone that's listening. I think you've just schooled us on the, <laughs> on the art of really being more engaged, but understanding what it means to be engaged in different ways that you can do that. And I think what's most important here is you're saying that if you want to be engaged, you definitely want to make sure and have that balance to be able to take care of self first so that you have the energy and everything that you need to go out there and do that. You don't have to be involved in everything. Just find that thing that's important to you. And, you know, and then you drill home on that. And that's, you know, that's an important thing. So I want to ask you, this is our closing question. And we always ask all of our guests this question. It's a really fun one. But it's if you could have a banner or a sign or a billboard by your city's major highway, and everyone could see it every day while they go to work, what would it say? I think this is a quote that I use often, but it's one of the things that someone said, and I have no idea where I got it from, which is stuck with me. So I'd say where there's struggle, there's progress. And if I were to drive by that every day, that would really sit with me. And it sits with me still because, like I said, we're in trying times and stuff's really hard right now. But a lot of I'm learning to see the opportunity and the crisis. So recognizing that this isn't the end. I was gonna say just do it, but that's Nike. So you know they might like sue me. But a very just any phrase that just at at its core means keep going. You know that it's just temporary right now. Whatever situation, whatever struggle, that there is literally always a brighter outcome always just because you know from light to dark and dark to light and it just it just keeps going so if the world's gonna keep going so should you yes i love it thank you so much for joining us today i learned a lot i hope everyone else listening learned a lot and we will see you guys for another episode of every block rising bye all right Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us, 
make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member. Until next time.